Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. So if you're joining us on the podcast, good to have you with us. Um, if you're here, you're wondering why am I referring to the podcast, because I didn't realise how many people listen to it. So if you're joining us on the podcast, I um, hope you get lots out of this. If, you have, if this is your first time tonight here or on there, um, uh, just with this series. We're doing a series called You and Your Stuff. And in week one, Bron talked about uh, uh, money and really about just wisdom around it. Things like getting out of debt and staying out of debt and all those kinds of things, how to, how to set things up. In week two, I talked about work. And um, really around, and around work, the idea, the central idea that was meant to be was um, around the idea, hey, if you don't want to be broke, get a job. Now, we took it way further than that, but that's the basic idea. And I think not only don't want to be broke, but we live in a nation where you can get way beyond broke, where you can actually um, build a future. And so not only provide for today, but build a future. And so we want to honour God with our work. Next week in um, week four, we're going to look at the... Um, Hebraic model, the Hebrew model um, for finance. And it's a profound teaching. I don't know if you know the, the Jewish people, I think are like, they're less than one, I think it's 0.1% of the world's population. You don't quote me exactly, it's minuscule. And something like 30% of the world's wealth. They're doing something right and have done despite the fact that they've been persecuted across the ages. And it's because they take a, as a people, there's blessing on them, but... It's also because there's great principle and truth in the scriptures uh, that so many people have lived by. And, and you know, um, if you live by Bible principles um, around your finance, you know, we expect God to turn up and we expect him to provide and be miraculous. And so uh, that's next week. Today, I want to talk to you about something as it relates to you and your stuff that doesn't immediately make sense. It doesn't sort of, you think, how does that fit? And, and we're going to talk about knowing God and why knowing God is um, knowing God is critical to you and your stuff. And in particular, we're going to drill down and come to the signature, signature expression of knowing God. Like when I think about the Bible is going to tell us one thing. There's one thing the Bible says emphatically that would be a signature expression of those who know God. Just one thing. Only one time it makes a statement that clear. And I'm going to bring us to it, and we're going to unpack it for a few moments, but we're going to go on a journey to get there, okay? Does that make sense to you all? You're all good? Excellent. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7. There's a lot of Bible in this talk tonight. Some of you are like, about time, Darren. Well, <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, uh, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That has my attention, even though I call Jesus Lord. That's my first time of going off there. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, listen to this next bit, Lord, Lord, did, did, uh, we, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. I mean, aren't these the signs that you and I would say are the signature marks of Jesus' church if you're a follower of Jesus? They prophesy, there's miracles, demons are being cast out, all those kinds of things. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. 
away from me, you evildoers. I don't know about you. I, I, that, I'm like, whoa, that's big. I never knew you. And when I think about the signs that I would think or the, the signature of expressions of what would um, mark a follower of Jesus, for sure, for me, if I'm honest, prophecy and um, you know, miracles and those kinds of things, they'd be on my list. And yet he says to them, you call me Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord, the Bible says, except by the Holy Spirit. You call me Lord. You've got the signs and wonders going on. You've got the prophecy in my name, all these kinds of things. And he will say to them on that day, I never knew you. Matthew chapter 25 is the, um, the parable. Sorry, I've got a bad cough. Is the parable of the ten virgins. And... Uh, um, which seems like such an odd thought in our modern Western Australian culture, uh, but still not foreign in many cultures. And he talks about the, these, um, the virgins and the bride and the bridegroom. And it's, it's a parable of how Jesus is returning. And when he returns, some people who have been amongst the, you know, the inner group, if you like, the inner circle, on that day, in verse, we'll pick up in verse 11 again, he says, um, Later the others also came, speaking of the virgins, Five of them had plenty of oil. Five of them had no oil or ran out of oil. And they will say, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And he will reply, truly, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And so again, we get this idea of, you know, what would it look like to know God? These virgins who are a parable of people that were in the inner circle who you would recognize as amongst, if you like, the believers, are going, he's going, I don't know you. I haven't got a clue who you are. And Jesus hasn't got a loss of memory. So it's something to do with their life. And so the signature expression has got nothing to do with the miracles, got nothing to do with the prophecy. It's got nothing to do with all of those things. It's got nothing to do with being in the right crowd or gathering in the right church or any of those things. And then in Luke chapter 13, we see the same idea again. They ask Jesus, um, verse 22, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, that's the understanding, um, closes the door, lost my spot once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door you will stand outside knocking and pleading sir open the door for us but he will answer i don't know you or where you come from then you will say listen we ate and drank with you you taught in our streets but he will reply i don't know you or where you come from away from me or you evildoers so not the prophetic not the miraculous not those in proximity, not those who ate with Jesus. Like none of these things give us an insider's lane in terms of what would be the signature expression you could recognize of those who know God. And yet the Bible gives us one. And so I wonder, you know, here tonight, I wonder if I said to you, what would be the signature, wish I took my lock off, or what would be the signature expression of knowing God? What would you say it is? You know, I don't want you to yell it out at me. What would it be? What would they be maybe? What would the signature expressions be? What would you say? Well, if someone's a Christian, we'll expect to see this. Now, the obvious one is love because the Bible says that, that you will know them 
by their love for one another. But, but even that, that's like spirit, heart. We're not, we're not talking about that. Like an, an action, a, a, um, a works. You know, some people will get caught up and go, well, that's works, Darren. No, it's a, it's a reflection of the heart, which we'll see. What would be the signature thing? What would you say? And I wonder if we took a survey across the room, how varied the answers would be. And yet the Bible only clearly articulates one. But what would you say? What would you say, Brucey? Generous. Looking after people. Yeah. Yeah. I would say honor your pastor. That's probably top of God's list of what uh, they um no. Um and if we went back to first century um Israel, if we went back to first century Jerusalem, in a you know, like a rabbinical sort of you know, environment, first century Jew, I wonder what they would say, and I wonder if it would be different to what you and I would maybe say as what would be the signature expression that you could say, that person knows God, that person definitely knows God because the Bible only clearly articulates one. So on the way there, the signature expression, let's look at the one foundation. I just want to quickly stop here because those of you who think I'm a heretic, I just want to clarify this and uh, uh, coming up on the screen will be John 17 3 now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent Uh, let's be clear the foundation is of course knowing God the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent that is the foundation of knowing God but we're talking about what the signature expression would be what you would say it is so here we go the Bible makes one clear reference. There might be others, but uh, this study was taken from a guy called Shane Willard. And this is, he, he says this is the only one, and he's a trained rabbi. This is the only one that he could sort you out. And uh, so here it comes on the screen. Jeremiah 22, 16, those who know God. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. We can leave that verse up there. The one clear scripture in all of the Bible that we get around this subject is that he defended the cause of the poor and needy and so it all went well. Is that not what it means to know, know me, declares the Lord? I love this scripture because if you're us, if you live in first world Australia, if you live in regional Tamworth, you and I have the capacity to live this out in a very real way. This is not a money talk about church. It's got nothing to do with our church. We're not taking up an offering about this. We're not doing anything. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with that you and I, as followers of Jesus, those of us who are, God, what is in his heart as an expression, the signature expression of someone who knows him, would be that we would have a, a, an interest, like a, sub, a substantial interest, in the needs of the poor, that we would make a contribution to that, that we would factor that in when it comes to me and my stuff, that there's a portion of it that goes to the poor. That, that, that's really what this is saying here. And, and so just thinking about that idea for a moment, you know, some of us will feel pressure around that. Some of us will feel like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what you'll think about that. But, but the reality is every single believer in this room today has either the means or will have the means to make a contribution to transform the lives of the poor. I was in Haiti a few years ago um, and I, met a comp- I was with Compassion and I met a Compassion child who was now one of the leading political figures in the nation. 
Christian guy, believes in Jesus with all of his heart, grew up dirt poor in a little hut and was going to be, um, that was his life apart from someone sponsoring him, whatever it was, 10 bucks a week or whatever it was back in that day. And now he's a key political leader in the nation of Haiti. And um, uh, you and I have a, an opportunity as followers of Jesus to do something about the very thing that grips God's heart, which is the poor and the needy. Um, someone I know um, actually a few years ago decided that they wanted to actually bring change around this. They didn't have much margin in their finance. They earn a very regular uh, kind of salary. And they decided they wanted to sponsor 10 children. And so what they did was they just sponsored one. And they determined that each year that they could, they would sponsor another one, hopefully until they got to 10. And after eight years, they were at 10. And after eight years, there was capacity still to do more. And I think for us who live in the land of wealth, um, there's probably more capacity than we know. We've just sort of lived up to our limits, haven't we? There's a great clip. I don't know if you know it. Um, uh, has anyone seen Schindler's List? Anyone? Right. If you haven't, you're uncultured. I know I don't sound very cultured, but I'm more cultured than you if you haven't seen Schindler's List. No. In Schindler's List, Schindler is a very wealthy man who helped the Jews in World War II. In one of the final scenes of the movie, um, he is standing as the, the Jewish people thank him for all the like literally hundreds of lives that he saved throughout World War II. And as he's going to leave, he's going to get in his car and it dawns on him. It's a real true story. And he breaks. As he looks at the car he's about to get into and he looks at the people who were surrounding him and he says, that car could have saved 10 people. He says, what was I thinking? And he starts to break down. He looks at the, he's got a, a gold ring on his finger and unlike my cheap, whatever that is, tin thing, and he's got a gold ring on his finger and he says, right there are two people's lives. Right there are two people's lives. Just. And he starts to break down and he falls apart and they grab him and then they put him into the car and off he goes. And, and you know, we're not here to condemn anyone into anything, but, but I'm trying to go, hey, let's, I'm happy for us to have to wrestle in our spirit if it means the life of the poor being transformed. Me too. And we've got such an incredible opportunity. And, and when it comes to knowing God, the one signature expression that the Bible gives, I'm sure there are others, but the one we can see with absolute clarity from the pages of Scripture is that the person who knows me is someone who helps the poor and needy. And so we have an incredible opportunity. I mentioned last week, you know, Bella, my daughter has got a job down at Hopscotch. They're great employers and um, three to six hours a week and she sponsors a child. I think it's great. She's got the capacity. She, she, there is a need. While she builds her own life, and God will ultimately bless that, while she's all about that, she is in the same time transforming a child's life in some other country where there is neither the means nor the capacity. There's a moment in my life that always haunts me. Another time, I've been to many poor countries, but I was in the same country. I was in Haiti. And I've been to poor places, but I've never seen anything like Haiti. It's like a war zone. And I was in Haiti, and we went to this village. We went to a tent. It was about 50 degrees Celsius inside the tent. I mean, but the, the wife couldn't leave because if you left, they would come and take the little stuff that you had. 50 degrees, no, no toilets, no running water, no meal tomorrow. 
And I remember standing there and the couple said to me with their little children present, they said, don't forget us, will you, Darren? Don't forget us. And from that day to this, there are times when that image fills my head and I think, God, I can do more than I'm doing. There is room for me to do something about the poor and the needy. One of those opportunities I have is to impact you. There's so much we can do. We have so much more than we realise. I think I said it last week that Australians now live in the biggest homes in the world, bigger than Americans. If you have 214 squares, many of you would, you live in the biggest homes in the world of any nation in the history of humanity right now. If we own a car, we live in the top 9% of the world's wealthy. You know, when we think about rich people, for most of the world, they think of us. We are the rich. We are the dream. We are what people hope for. You and I have more capacity than we know to bring the signature expression of those who know God to life for somebody else. And you know what? We can do something about it this very day. Bible goes on. So to know God. Here's a thought. When we do something for someone who can't possibly do anything for us, that is to know him. That is stepping into another realm. When we do something, you know, if I do something for you this week, somewhere deep down I know that, depending on who I do it for, there might be a reciprocal reaction. You know, I, do, I just sent an email to someone the other day to catch up um, for coffee. And while I was sending it, I had to send them... An, also send them an email to ask them to do something for someone. And it was a bit awkward because I thought, they're going to think that the reason I'm catching up with them for coffee is because I want them to do something over here. And it was just that I needed to do both the things in the limited time that I had. But the, this is different to that, right? This is people who can't do anything for us that we would do something for them. That's why it's just like God. Isn't that what he did for us? When we were lost in our sin, helpless to do anything about it, that the Father sent the Son, Jesus, into the world to die on a Roman cross at a place called Calvary for the sins of the world when we could not make things right with Him. This is exactly who He is. This is exactly what He does. And this is what He calls us to do also, that we would do something for someone who can't do anything at all for us and will probably never thank us. But that is the heart of God. That is the work of God. And that's how He asks us to orientate our lives. And to build some space into that, to, to reorganize in a way that helps us be those who help the poor and the needy across the planet. Maybe you're already doing it. Maybe you're doing it a big way. Maybe we can do it a little more. I like the idea that even if you're generous, that out of this room tonight, we would move that, that dial like even 5%. If we move it 5%, how much we help the poor out of a room like this. If we move at 5%, we change people's lives. If you're young, you know, if you've got a part-time job, um, don't listen to the person who says to you, don't do that, don't listen to that, don't listen to that person. Listen to me. If you've got a part-time job, if you're a student, do something today. Build your life and transform another. If you've got capacity, do it today. Do something about that. If you drink two coffees a week, you can help the poor. And you know what I've found? If I'm honest, we, we sponsor a bunch of kids and do a bunch of things, and we won't go into any of that. But you know, I have no less coffee 
I hear out as much as I've always heard out. I do need a new pair of RM Williams boots, that's true. They're too expensive. But, but, but God, God never leaves us short. This is the miraculous zone. Some of us never walked in it. There's something about the miraculous zone. I could stand here, some of you know, I could talk this whole sermon, this whole message, telling you about the financial miracles that Bronnie and I have seen across our life. I mean, we've been given checks, uh, cash in the mail at times of desperation. We've been given eight cars in our lives. We've been given homes rent-free for years on end. We've been given more than that, but I'm not going into that. We've been given holidays. We've been given everything at moments when we've prayed at certain times. Now, should we be good stewards and have we learned to be good stewards? Yes, but over the years, as we've endeavoured to put God first, and sometimes my wife has put us in a bind because she's a bit too generous, you know, and her heart gets a bit too broken... God just turns up supernaturally. Bron, at 18 years of old, took her entire inheritance and gave $25,000, 25 grand to build a home or a church or something like that in India. Now at 18, we sort of, or 19, we were just starting to go out. I'm about to be down 25 grand. And I have absolutely no say in what's about to go down. This is like the smartest thing. It's counterintuitive. It's upside down, but that's how God's kingdom works. It's an upside down kingdom. And you and I, you and I, we have the, this day. I love walking in. We don't, we don't put it out where everyone can see, but I do love seeing kids' faces on our um, fridge. So when you come over, we get them all out and then we double some up so it looks awesome. No, we don't. But... <laughs> But there's something about being in my lounge room in Tamworth and thinking we're changing someone's life. On the, someone's going to eat today. Someone's going to be educated today because we do compassion. Someone's going to hear about Jesus today because I gave some amount of money that is incidental to my life. My gym membership is more money than the sponsorship of a child on the other side of the world who won't eat necessarily tomorrow except that the generous of the world determined that we're going to live like Jesus. We're going to value the thing that God values and we're going to give expression to that signature thing that He says is those who know Him. There's another scripture coming up on the screen. It's from 1 John. This is how we know what love is. I mean, think, I love the Bible. It's deep and complex, and that's why we have people like Bron and Mike. And, and then it's simple, and that's why we have people like me. This is how we know what love is, and I'm not joking. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Next verse. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Think about that. Let it weigh heavily on us. Not that we would feel condemned, but that we would be compelled to act. Act. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need, and I just want to say for a moment, I think... I'm all for us doing stuff for each other. I heard an incredible story this week of someone who postponed something big in their life to help someone else in our church when they heard about a need. I love that stuff. I get to hear those stories all the time. We haven't got time to tell them all. But I don't want us to shrink it to that. I don't want us to shrink it to taking a meal to 
you know, Frank and Kay today. I, I want us to think broader than that, to think about who Jesus really, like the genuine, the real poor. There might be the odd person, but most of us can do something about it. The, the person beyond who can't do anything for themselves, who can't get themselves out of poverty. I want to plead with you for that person tonight because I believe that Jesus would plead with us for that person tonight. It's not about anything coming in here. It's about everything going out there in this moment. Because tonight we can leave this and go into our week and, you know, get and watch Survivor tomorrow night. Such a great show. I hope you watch it with me. We can watch Survivor tomorrow night and it all just drifts away and nobody's life has changed. Or you came to church that God might get a hold of your heart, that He might grip you and that He might take that and He might do something with it, that He might go, hey, you can help someone on the other side of the world, that we would get something done, that Jesus' name would go forward, that people would come to faith in Christ, that in countries like Nepal where we help and where we work, that people would not only come to faith in Christ, but they would then become those who transform a nation. We don't want to send them missionaries from Australia. We want to send them resources so the missionaries can rise from their own nations. You and I can do something about that tonight, right now, with a cup of coffee that we don't get to drink next week, but I bet you you still do. We still get to drink it. And if you don't, you put on less calories. It's a win-win situation for you. One last scripture and we're wrapping this. One last scripture. I think it's 1 John Locker. 1 John chapter 4, I think it is. Yep, last two verses. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And what? Knows God. Those who love know God. You and I have an incredible opportunity. We live fortunate and blessed lives. No matter, I, I know you're going through things that I don't understand and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of financially, we are the blessed. We are the fortunate. We are the rich. And we are those who know God. And the signature expression, the signature evidence of us being those who know God is that we would do something. Be activists. I need to like that idea. Be activists in the support of those who have no voice, who have no way out, who have no means to hear the gospel or to eat tomorrow or to upgrade their life or to transform a nation. But you and I, literally tonight in our hand is the seed that makes that possible. The seed that makes that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, I don't want anyone to feel, God, I don't want anyone to feel guilt and pressure around this at all. But I do want us to be compelled, God. I want me to be compelled more. I do want us to be compelled, Lord, as those who know you, that we would give place and make room for the signature expression that you said would mark those who know you to be activists on behalf of those who have no power and have no voice, have no way. So God, may you prompt and stir each person across this room with what we can do. Lord, may you inspire innovative ideas. May you give us creative ways forward. May you do something in us. And God, we pray that you would show us where to and how to channel. Lord, the 
wealth and abundance that many of us have at our disposal so that your name would be lifted high, Jesus. The people wouldn't say, where is your God? The people would look on and see the hands and the feet and the, Lord, the generosity of our God because of his people across the earth. We thank you, God, for every generous person here tonight, every person who already, Lord, is helping the poor and, uh, Lord, being an activist for the poor. Lord, we pray blessing tonight. We pray, Lord, um, abundant blessing, that, Lord, that Corinthians might be true of them, just as they helped the Macedonians, God, and you said, that you would pour even more seed in, that they could be generous even more and on every occasion. Father, we declare that verse, that passage of Scripture over people tonight who are already living in that space. Father, we pray that you would inspire us with new ways of generosity, Lord, with new things that you want to do in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray as we head into a new week. God, for each person we know you go before us. Lord, we ask your blessing on each person. We pray, Lord, for people going through things that your peace would guard their hearts and minds, that your spirit would lead us in the way all of us would go. Father, help us. Help us. We thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.